0: My first year at the games, like I had one sponsor and they paid for my airfare. That was like, that was that was my sponsorship. <laughs> I yeah. got my airfare covered.
1: Bet, that's good going back I mean, then. Well, that's what I'm going to say is I bet like to you that was like a big deal. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, think, like,
0: I was like over the moon. I'm like, yes, look at me. <laughs>
1: yeah, Made it.
0: I'm big deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to the Kratos Chat Podcast. I'm Will Gaunt, and as always, I'm joined by Mike Catris. Yep. This week, we have ourselves a legend in CrossFit who uh, won the 2013 CrossFit Games and has kindly decided to join us um, on this week's show. It's uh, Sam Briggs. Thank you for joining us, Sam.
0: Hi. Thank you for having me on.
1: How's uh, how's things been recently? How's things over in the States?
0: Uh, the past week has been a little bit crazy. Uh bought a house, and pretty much, pretty much in the space of two weeks, we bought a house, closed on the house, and we've moved into the house. <laughs> yeah.
1: Full on. And what's that sort of moving experience kind of been like, you know, during everything that's been going on? Is it, you probably moved house a few times now, but um, has it been any different, sort of? What's, what's different about it, or is it pretty much the same?
0: Oh, uh, like, it's not, too too crazy uh, in Ohio where we are at the moment regarding the COVID side of things. Obviously, going to view houses, you had to like wear a mask and um, like sanitize when you're going into the house, and um, viewings were uh, like kept to short blocks. The mm-hmm. uh, the biggest like crazy thing at the moment is just the housing market. Like yeah. a house would a house would go up and um, we'd see it in the morning as in like on on our laptop book to go view it like you had to get a view in the same day because the next day the house had already been sold Brilliant. just the market at the moment is absolutely crazy um they had um the house that we actually got they had 50 viewings in one day
2: whoa is that just because everything's gone mental cheap over there because of the, the economy or?
0: Uh, I had no idea I think because everybody was stuck in quarantine for so long finally allowed out everybody's wanting to can buy, a buy a house? <laughs> like we can finally leave the house I don't want to be in this house anymore I and need a, a new, new house one. <laughs> um yeah I, I honestly don't know just like uh, the housing market is just absolutely crazy at the moment uh it was a good time as a UK person buying a house just because the pound at the moment is yeah, strong against the the dollar so i was quite fortunate in um, in that respect because if um, if all the rumours are to be believed if the brexit deal isn't confirmed the pound's going to drop so <laughs> so i think it was probably the perfect timing for 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 me to get the most out of my money anyway
2: yeah definitely and in terms of timing as well, you've uh, you've done pretty well as well because you're probably the first person from the UK that's that had a place or has got a place at the games that hasn't got to worry about getting out there either with all of the <laughs> stuff that's going um, on.
0: This is the first time in five years that I've yeah. not had to like stress. Uh, so I was meant to go back to the UK in April, so I still have um, uh, the flat in Manchester. Um, so I was meant to be moving out properly in april to move here in may but because of uh, covid i've not been back to the uk and having a spot at the games i've not dared to go back now in case you. i can in case i can't get back so it's like i'm waiting until um september and then i'll be i'll be coming back to the uk i don't wish that on anybody like just how stressful the um, like past few years have been um i've been like helping Emma as much as I can, like looking at like government sites for her and trying to point her in the right direction um, yeah. it's just yeah it's not a nice time, it's stressful training for the games anyway, and then mm-hmm. adding the extra like am I going to get there, am I not and then yeah. that motivation to train as hard as you need to train it's it's sometimes uh, sometimes hard to find
2: yeah, I'm sure like we were had a similar situation with mayhem yeah madness has obviously been cancelled now but trying to logistically get our head around actually even getting out there if it was going to go ahead was you know mind-blowing yeah um in terms of the the training side of things like are you you assuming everything's just going to go ahead and just hopefully just get on with it and take it as it comes sort of thing or have you got a little bit inside knowledge on anything
0: yeah I mean obviously like as far as we're aware like it is going ahead um on the where we have to be there and get tested on the 14th of September. Uh, so like, as far as I'm concerned, I have to be like mentally prepared. Like this is what, this is what we're doing. This mm-hmm. is what we've got to, to train for. Uh, obviously it'll be a little bit disappointing if it doesn't go ahead, but mm-hmm. it's never wasted training. Um,
2: You always said to me, like, you prefer the game style training anyway because it's more fun stuff, more like you can get your teeth into a bit as well, yeah? So what does that look like compared to your regular sort of lifting days or whatever it might your your normal sort of training would look like?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, we still have to do the lifting and things like that, but um, just, like, different styles. So instead of just doing, uh, like, my training yesterday, so just doing uh, a one rep max deadlift, I had a five minute unwrap of um, deadlifts and high box jump overs straight into five minutes to build a one rep max. So it's just mixing and like putting those those blends together and trying mm-hmm. to um trying to lift more under under fatigue.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. More sports specific uh, stuff.
0: Yeah. And then we get to do fun stuff like uh go for lake swims and runs and just put things together and just try to think outside the the box a little bit with the different pairings of movements and just like different rep ranges and stuff just because you never know what's what's going to come up
1: yeah and i think like that's more applicable now than ever really isn't it because obviously we have got new setting with the ranch and that kind of stuff you are you excited to kind of see what comes up because i know obviously dave Castro has been doing like that youtube series isn't it the the redacted stuff which they keep which i watch, and it's kind of it's quite difficult to watch because he keeps just dropping things like oh they're going to hate this or "Oh, they're going to think we just made this up on the spot or and they just keep cutting to quotes like that It'll tease you you, yeah. yeah do you know what i mean are you excited for the, the ranch in a way or
0: yeah i mean like i'm just excited to compete again it was uh, rogue did a fantastic job with the invitational um uh, and as weird as it was, like, not knowing what your other competitors are doing, you're in complete silence because we weren't allowed any music, we weren't allowed anybody in there uh, cheering or shouting. Um, you were still competing. You still got that that buzz of, that competitiveness. Uh, but I missed the, the social side of, like, seeing the other athletes and, like, I've been doing, I've been going to the games since 2010. So a lot of these like uh, athletes are friends now. And Mm -hmm. the only time we get to see them is at the games. So it's kind of like a reunion every year. Mm -hmm. And so um, definitely look forward to that. Um, I think like on the um, side that there's only going to be 30 males and 30 females opens it up that they can probably do more stuff with us than they could do with a bigger field. So that kind of excites me. Um, You're not really as limited. So you might get to see events that we wouldn't normally see like coming up at the games, especially if they stick with the new era of the 150 athletes, because especially in the first couple of days, they're so limited with um, what they can do.
2: Yeah, just yeah. from a logistics point of view, trying to get that yeah. many people through an event. I mean, it was a great like being at the games last year. Was obviously, with yourself as well. It's like it was a great experience for a lot of those guys. But how did you feel that compared to previous years? In terms of obviously it was limiting in that regard. But in terms of like the cuts as well, I know a, a lot of the guys were sort of thought the cuts were probably a little bit too severe, a little bit too soon, and then obviously maybe went a little bit too far as well, going down to a ten instead of maybe a twenty or a thirty.
0: Yeah. uh, I mean, like there was obviously they needed to make cuts. Mm -hmm. Um, Could they have maybe done two events so that everybody got to do like two instead of one? Mm -hmm. Like I think like things could have been done a little bit different, but it was the first year they ran that format. Mm -hmm. Did they need to go to 10 on the Saturday morning? I'm like, Like obviously, like I wasn't in that top ten. So like, as an athlete that's like trained and prepared for a full weekend of competition, it's pretty gutting. And uh, and I think a lot of the other athletes that didn't make that that final cut felt the same. That like didn't feel like I'd worked
2: out. Mm -hmm. I didn't
0: feel. Like, I remember speaking
2: to you and Sarah, and you're were like, "We're gonna go, go do this sprint triathlon afterwards because you like feel like a workout in."
0: We did a uh, half Ironman.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so
0: but, but then afterwards, I actually like felt I'm like, right, okay, I've um I've des- deserved my like downtime now.
1: <laughs> yeah, done a yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. So do you do you reckon? Say they hadn't done those cuts, do you reckon the leaderboard would have shifted around a fair bit more over that sort of like last half of half update?
0: Um. I think that some of the athletes that didn't make the cut could have made big changes in some of the, um, events. Um, the podium could have still been that top three, but I think you'd have seen big shifts in like, say four down to 20, just from like some of the athletes, like, um, the max clean, you'd lost like a lot of the, the big lifters already. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you had the traditional like CrossFit workouts, which I would have loved. Annie would have loved. It's like there's a there was a lot of like not necessarily going in and maybe winning the events, but shifting the the leaderboard. Fraser said the same when it was like him and Noah. Like he would win an event by like a long shot, but then nobody was coming in between him and Noah, so Noah was staying in first for a long time and you need those people that are going to come in and take those points and and make those changes
2: yeah that's something we spoke to Tommy Marquez about is that the fact that they've they've cut this down to 30 now and it sounds as though all 30 athletes are going to do the whole thing right the way through that makes a massive difference in terms of the gamesmanship and in terms of the sport itself and the jostling for positions for exactly those reasons is that you know yeah you you know it it comes down to more about the consistency, right? If you come, if you come in top two or three in all of those events, it means a lot more that when there's 30 of you, than if there's 10 of you, you could potentially come fifth or sixth and it doesn't harm you as much, but that could, that could easily be 20th in a, in a field of 30, you know, which is, is a big drop in points.
0: Yeah, no, no, definitely. And like, I think that keeps things interesting as well, because you see big shifts kind of in the leaderboard. Um, (laughs) But, I don't know. Like, they needed to make cuts. Did they need to be as drastic and so soon? Possibly not. <laughs> so that could be a change that they, that they make. Um, and whether they actually go back to the 150 again or not, we're, we're, we, all, we all are waiting to see because uh, the Open's gone back to, to February and March. So.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Would you rather see... It go back to a, completely back to to a regional style thing, or almost like a hybrid of the two
0: um like I like the sanctioned events mm-hmm. like uh, having more opportunities in the season to qualify um like I loved um, there's been talks of maybe some kind of like league that you have to do. Uh, like so many competitions in a season and you earn like points at those competitions and that qualifies you to the games. There's been like lots of rumors. I mean like, I'm all for that. Like I love competing. So the more opportunities that you get to like compete, the the better. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think going back to, to regionals, I don't think they would do cause it'd be kind of like a backwards step. Yeah. Um and financially I like as well. It that the, I like it that the opens going back to um February, March. because I definitely like did not feel like ready and wanting to compete um at last year's open. It was it was hard to come off the games and get ready to like go and give a hundred percent again. It was it just felt very, very weird.
2: Yeah, that's been the general consensus, isn't it? like yeah. in terms of the athletes that like no off season going straight back in and having to smash yourself into a place where you're potentially getting a qualifying spot for the games. It's not something you can take lightly, you know, you've got to take that stuff seriously and you've literally just put your body through the absolute ringer or supposed to have had. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, six, eight weeks time, you're you're back doing it again. That, you don't do that in any other sport.
0: No. And I think like um, a lot of people, like just mentally, you need that mental break i mean we still train we still like push our bodies hard but just kind of having that mental break from like competing and just being like okay we can do other stuff we can like in the run-ups the games you don't go out socializing you don't really do anything else other than train eat and sleep so so like after the games like you need that reset you need that family time you need to spend time with your friends you need to go do other stuff outside of the gym so that you feel ready to okay i can go back into this bubble and yeah. ignore the rest of the world
1: yeah so i one thing i uh, really kind of wanted to sort of discuss with you a little bit kind of going into uh, a little bit more of the deeper side of things um CrossFit uh, shared something on Instagram the other day, um, which I thought was really, really cool. And it was the uh, video of uh, catching uh, David Scott. I can't remember what, what can't 100% remember what event it was. probably. Yeah, it was
2: the regional's legless rope climbs when couldn't, she couldn't climb the rope and it ended up costing her that place at the Games, didn't it?
1: Yeah. And they shared, they shared the uh, excerpt from sort of a, a autobiography and it kind of, kind of, sort of made me realise that um, if it wasn't obvious already, but you're quite a big sort of I guess the term would kind of describe it like in the same way as sort of like mainstream sport would, would be like a locker room leader. Um, and it seems like you've kind of got that sort of locker room leader position, like a lot of the girls look up to you in the sport, like a, sort of like Catherine's and the girls that are around at the moment. Um, I kind of wanted to ask, kind of like, is that a role kind of you that you see yourself in? Is that something you see yourself in, like as a locker room leader?
0: When when she started failing, uh, nobody wants to see, see that. And so I didn't think about like what I was doing. I just knew that if I could help her in any way, that that's what I should do. Um, mm-hmm. So 2014 was a hard year in many respects. <laughs> I'd already like on the first day, um, the handstand walk had pretty much like put me out of contention of going to the games, so like I didn't want to like if I had a shot of going to the games, I wanted to like earn it and get to the games because like I'd done everything I could. Uh, Catherine was above me at the time on the leaderboard, and I didn't want to go to the games because someone else was failing. Yeah. So if I could help her, then like that's what I like needed to do. Um, regarding like leadership and stuff, um, I just try to kind of like lead by example. And if I can set a good example for the up and coming athletes and uh, help them in any way, then these are the athletes that are going to be the the future of the sport. Like at the time. Catherine's uh, 11 years younger than me, so if I can if I can help her in any way, and like get her, I mean, like she did pretty well in 2015 and 16.
2: <laughs> yeah, not bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, I mean, you touch on that as well as like I've uh, listened to your book during um, during lockdown, and I know Will's in the process of listening to it at the moment as well. And it's something that you sort of touch on a fair bit. In that is that um you played sport all the way through any sport you could get your hands on it's something you always wanted to do and and you loved team sports and you've done some some cool team competitions within CrossFit as well from team Europe side of things but also traveling around um to Australia and competing down there in a team um do you feel like that side of things helps you in terms of an an empathy side of things in in an individual sport
0: yeah like Uh, I've always been a team sport person growing up and then obviously being a firefighter for 10 years is a massive team thing. Mm -hmm. So even though in CrossFit I compete as an individual, I don't look at everybody else and think you're my rivals. Uh, So I probably still think that (laughs) we're all still kind of like playing together but then mm-hmm. I obviously want to try and like beat them
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I think it's sure. interesting because like, like I always think about this when I was thinking about my dad when he goes to competitions he's like a rugby boy through and through and, and like he'll like come and watch us in competitions or watch me in competitions he'd be like oh I hate that other guy It's like no it's not like that it's not like that in rugby where it's like you, you want to see other people not do well to, you. like you to to be good at this sport at any level you need to work your socks off and it's one of those yeah. things that you. There's a mutual respect that sort of goes along with everybody. You want to see people doing well because you know how hard they work, right?
0: I remember when I uh, first started running for a club after I uh, retired from football. And I'd like show up on the start line and nobody would like speak to you. And I obviously looked a little bit different to most of the runners because I didn't have really skinny arms. And I was like quite muscular but nobody would speak to you. They'd look at you really like funny. And it was like a really cold environment. I'm like, I would never want to make someone feel like that. So like in the warm up area, and if we're getting like corralled, ready to like go out and compete, I want everybody to feel relaxed, everybody to feel welcome. If there's Mm -hmm. a new athlete that's just come up, uh, I want them to like feel like they're one of us. And not that we're looking at them thinking, who are you? Do you deserve to be here? Yeah. So, that I think that's
2: always shone through.
0: Yeah. Definitely the experience of like running and uh, it, it's kind of like lonely, especially if you don't know anybody. So I would, wouldn't want anybody to feel like that. So I try, yeah. and I try and make others feel a little bit more relaxed and hopefully they feel welcome.
1: Yeah, well, sure. that kind of like leads into something else that I wanted to ask you about, actually, as well, is that um, in terms of sort of the British side of things, it's kind of sort of uh, CrossFit was very much a, a, an American baby for a long period of time, wasn't it? Um, and kind of obviously over the last couple of years, it's, it's really sort of made its way through the UK. Um, one thing I wanted to ask was kind of like, um, obviously you were around for, for the earlier days of CrossFit, obviously my generation's kind of like the next one over. Um, I wanted to kind of see what it was like you kind of I can imagine you were just the only Brit at a couple of competitions that kind of impacted it at all or
0: uh I never really like thought about it um my first year of competing was kind of by accident so it was like just going to the competitions because I loved competing and actually to go and have fun yeah and um and then just at each stage it was like oh I've like Qualified for regionals. Oh, I've made it to the games. And definitely the first year at the games was a little bit weird, kind of not knowing anybody. Um, Was kind of alone in the warm-up area and stuff. But I think that um, in the early days, everybody was kind of more like that. Um, It was the first year at the StubHub Center. So it was the first year that you were in this massive arena and um as instead of being like relaxed at the ranch and just being more like a barbecue get together so it was very much like people just kind of like stuck to them themselves and got themselves warmed up and um did their thing um but then like after that the second year you turn up you kind of know a few more people and people are a bit more apt to like speak to you and stuff and then and then, the next thing you know you've been competing for the last ten years, and <laughs> you you know everybody
2: <laughs> yeah you said you said about like you know competing in the games since two thousand and ten, and sort of what will touched on there as well from from my point of view, you know, I started back in two thousand and twelve and you were the the idol right you're the you're the first British individual to make it to the games, and we didn't get a guy there until two thousand and fifteen um uh, when when Phil and Steve got there, you know, you'd you'd already done three games by that point and and won one, um. So it was like you had to travel around a lot and train with people that to keep you to keep pushing you right because there it, it, there just wasn't the competition uh, in and around the UK. But I wonder what that was like for you in terms of arguably you probably still are, um, but you certainly were the first really professional CrossFitter to come out of the UK, where it's like. This is you gave up your job to to pursue this and to to make this a career. Um, and there's not, if if any, there's not many of them now. You know, much further down the line, how that sort of, how big a a step that was for you to like a decision to make and, and how that came about and and if you can see that becoming more normal going forward, where people can sort of make this a career, you think?
0: Yeah. Um, so I think like one of the things that. I saw especially then was there was a lot more opportunities like in the U S than there was in the UK. Um, so that was a decision that I made, uh, in 2013 was to come out here and train like in the run up to regionals and then in the run up to, to the games. Um, and then the decision to like quit my job for CrossFit that was definitely in 2012, missing out the games, and just because uh, 2011 coming fourth, just just missing the podium, it was like right, okay, what can I do if I concentrate on this 100%, and working shifts definitely doesn't help training. No way. <laughs> um, but like at the time, there wasn't as much sponsorship and money especially in the UK available for CrossFit. So it was upon like me, like I made the decision like 2013 when the season starts, when the open starts, um, I'm going to like get a career break and I requested a career break. And for the next like six to nine months, I started saving. I didn't go out. I didn't buy anything new, any like expenditures were just like essential stuff that I needed to buy so I could financially support myself through that career break.
1: Mm-hmm. It wasn't
0: me like going out to try and get sponsors and stuff because there wasn't that money available at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was down to me working overtime and stuff to to get that money to support myself and the night before the open started, um, I worked my last night shift and then took my career break. And so it was—it's just finding, um, I think, more your why, and if you're willing to to work for it. A lot of people think that you're just given all this stuff, and they're like, "Oh, well, you're lucky to have sponsors, exactly. and you're lucky—you're lucky to work out full time." I'm like, I had to bust my ass to have the privilege to. Work out full time, yeah. and so it's just finding the people that if they really want it, they they could have it. And I think um, perfect examples of athletes coming through are like um, Emma McQuaid. It's like she's she's busted her ass. She's got her sponsorships now, and she, but she's still PT. She's still programs some people, so she's still like working, but it allows her the time to train full time. And she made it to the Games last year. And hopefully she can travel and make it back for her second year. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: and then another example, I think, like, if you look at Megan Lovegrove, who, like, should have earned her spot uh, this year. Unfortunately, they've taken away the, the national champions. Uh, but, like, she's busted her ass over the years. I mean, she's been a regional athlete for, I don't want to, like, guess maybe, like, Five six years,
2: maybe yeah, even it must have been five, yeah,
0: maybe At even least, like yeah. maybe like closer to the sixth because then she's been to the games twice on the uh JST and yeah, she should have made it as an individual now. But she's she's done the same, she's like she's done her qualifications as a, a physical therapist, she um has been working alongside like training. She took a job out in Singapore where she'd be then able to work but afford the time to like train. And so you've got to, you've got to kind of like make these paths for yourself. Nobody's going to give you the sponsorship. Nobody's going to give you the money to do it if you're not willing to like work for it.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's what exactly what you said there was something I was going to touch on is you hear so many people saying, "Oh, well, if I was a full-time athlete, it'd be easy for me too," and all that sort of stuff, and they don't actually realise that what it takes, firstly, to become a full-time athlete, but secondly, like that actually a lot of these people aren't. They aren't full-time athletes. They're 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 making money elsewhere, and 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 if they are, they've worked their fucking ass off to get to that position, and like you said, have that privilege that they can earn money from. From what they do because they're at the very pinnacle of the sport
0: yeah I mean you will get the odd few that are like lucky that just kind of like fall into the sport and because of maybe how they look or um, if they can bring something unique to the sport that sponsors like are immediately attracted to them but I'd say that's like 10% of the athletes the other 90% have had to actually bust their asses off for like three to five years before they've even got like the decent sponsors. My first year at the games, like I had one sponsor and they paid for my airfare. That was like, that was, that was my sponsorship. <laughs> I yeah. got my airfare covered.
1: I bet, that's good going I mean, back then. Well, that's what I'm going to say is I bet like to you, that was like a big deal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, think... like,
0: I was like over the moon. I'm like, yes, look at me. <laughs> yeah,
1: made it. I'm big deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, I, I feel um, it's, I, it's something that's quite prevalent in fitness, though, I think, just in, in general. Like, I feel like uh, everyone wants a sponsorship, do not they? Everyone wants those kind of like those, that social media influencer lifestyle where you just get paid to look good or get paid to lift weights. But as you said, like, I don't think a lot of them realize that there is a lot of groundwork that goes along with that. And I remember watching an interview. I can't remember. It was just some fitness personality. and Someone asked them a question. it was a basic blanket question of how do you get sponsored and he went you're thinking about it in too like narrow sort of minded a way it was like you've got to think about well yeah they're going to be sponsoring me and they're giving me stuff but what can i offer them and like that's that's the thing isn't it it's all well and good coming into a sport and being good at it but when when you're someone like you where you're an ambassador for the sport you're a leader in the sport and you you have these qualities and you have these things that you champion. Any brand is going to be willing to sort of jump on that and go, you know what, we do that one that person representing us. And that's, again, as you said, that's something that you develop over years. It's not something that just gets handed to you like that.
0: Definitely. And, like, some people don't realize, like, not everybody likes being on social media. Like, I find it so hard to try and post every day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: but, but, like, I have to, like, go on and put content on because, like, I'm in that privileged position that I've got people who want to support me and um, help me financially. So I need to give back to them. I am also in the position that I have people who look up to me and want to see like, what I'm doing. and um, So I have a responsibility to my sponsors and to like, the people who support me, the people who value me as an athlete. And sometimes that's really hard like especially at the end of the day when you've trained all day and you're like oh I didn't set up my video to do anything like what can I show my life was worth nothing today
1: <laughs> it's like it's not on Instagram it doesn't count
0: yeah, yeah. I'm like, I did all those lifts and gymnastics and I have nothing's on film
1: yeah. but I mean that's hard isn't it I mean you know as you said like you're you're someone who is a full-time athlete and you're fully committed to the sport so like thinking about that stuff is as you said like at the end towards the end of the day when you just you know you spent when just even getting through the training on its own has been hard enough the last thing you want to do is think oh, well I've got to get a tripod out or I've got to set my camera on a box and all this kind of stuff when you're just dreading the workout or the workouts that you've been doing as a whole you know
0: I think it's easier for the younger generation because they've um, grown up with their phone like I remember sharing a phone with my mum when I was like 17. I didn't even have my own phone and it was <laughs> one of the old Nokias and the only thing you used to play was snake.
1: Yeah, like, yeah.
0: You didn't have to do any of this like stuff. So to me, it's kind of like, it's still alien to want to film everything, to set my phone up for things. And also from a training point of view, my coach is in the UK. And I'm constantly in trouble because he's like, I'm like, oh, this session didn't go well. And he's like, have you got any videos? No. He's like, well, how can I like help you? But it's not like inbuilt in me to set up these things and to do these things where you see a lot of the younger ones and it's automatically they're already documenting their whole day.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: there's definitely a generation gap in that side of things. Right. Um. In terms of that, like that, that sort of leads me into this. In terms of the generation gap, is that obviously there's no getting away from it, Sam? Is that you're you're on the the older side of the roster when it comes to the uh, to the individuals, the th- 37? 38. 38? Bloody hell! And uh, and you're still mixing it with the with the young pups, like more than mixing it, winning sanctionals, you know, left right in Chelsea and going and competing at the games and you know, winning winning events at the games. Like what what keeps you going in terms of you know you've been doing this uh, at the top level for this will be your, your 10th year um in terms of getting back into the gym you say like coming out from from the games and having to train for the next open and have, mentally psyching yourself up for what you do is is not easy right it hurts so like what what drives you to keep coming back
0: i think it like comes back to that that why it's like i like started crossfit because i loved the training methodology, I loved pushing myself and just seeing what I could do. The competition side was always uh, a bonus. So, like, I mean, I thought I was going to retire in 2016 when uh, I had to have my shoulder surgery. I was like, this is my body telling me, like, um, I'm over. And then Shoulder surgery and elbow surgery <laughs> later. I'm I'm still going, and it's because I love the training side, and mm-hmm. then the competitions just come because I'm ready to compete and I'm ready to push myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think approaching that that forty, and every year it gets harder and harder to kind of get to the games to to make it and um, for me like the hardest thing is and always has been the strength side and as I get older the more I try and push that side the more I break and Mm -hmm. the harder it is and the young ones coming through are just stronger and stronger so like the fitness side I think will always be there for me it just depends whether I can still hang on to the numbers enough to still, like, compete. Like, for mm-hmm. example, in the Rogue Invitational, like, the light bar um, snatch, like, I can, like, I can, I'm fit enough to keep moving a light barbell, but, like, the heavy bars, I'm just like, I just can't, like, especially, like, after surgery. Um, I came back from a shoulder surgery, and my left shoulder is a million times better than it was um and it is far better than my right side now. Coming mm-hmm. back from the elbow surgery, I still struggle with, um, and they said the joint will never be like as as good as it was. And it's but I can I can lift. If I hadn't have had the surgery, I wouldn't have been able to continue crossfit. Mm-hmm. So it's something that I just have to deal with, and it's a constant circle of how much can I push it before it goes goes backwards. So it's constant like prehab, rehab, train, prehab, rehab, train. Yeah. Um, and that, that comes with with age and having surgeries and old joints that are like, what are you doing? Still trying <laughs> yeah, to push us yeah. like this.
2: I remember <laughs> training with you out in, um, in La Santa in Lanzarote and you just done a training camp with, uh, with Jamie and Elliot and, and Sarah and all those guys, Adrian and Lila. And I remember speaking to Jamie and she was like, I was like, oh, you know, what are you guys doing today? We'll come, we'll come down and do a little bit of lifting. And she's like, oh, I'm going to do this. And Sarah's going to do that. And Sam's probably on her sixth session for the day already. And <laughs> I was like, oh, is that, is that just the theme? And she's like, the girl works like out more than anybody I've ever known work out and just keeps coming back for more and more and more in terms of like your, your work rate. And you just love that engine style horrible shit pit type workout um do you think that that's what set you up as you know you're known as engine like briggs in terms of the engine was was that always because you enjoyed that style of training more than the than the lifting side early on um
0: i think that you have to remember i didn't get into crossfit until i was 27 Mm -hmm. so even though i'm 38 now that's only 11 years So 27 years of my life was more endurance-based. Like I played football and uh, rugby, but then I raced mountain bikes. I ran cross-country. Everything was always more of a longer duration. Uh, When I retired from football, I started running for a club, started doing triathlons. So um, for a long time, it was more endurance-based activity. So that's kind of the base that I'd built up It's something that I adapt to a lot more easily. I enjoy lifting. I love lifting. Um, I wish I was stronger. Um, I think the strongest I'd been was by like 2014 to 15 season. Um, mm-hmm. that's when I like had all my lifetime, uh, PBs and snatch clean and jerk squats, deadlifts. Um, and then, It was the beginning of 2015 when I herniated um, and had two bulging discs and it was then coming back from from that, that strength was a lot harder to kind of like put on and to, it doesn't mean that I don't work at it, but I just don't get the same returns as Mm -hmm. like the endurance stuff or working the um, more engine based. Stuff.
2: there's very few people that have had as as a successful time as you in terms of since things have shifted from regionals to sanctionals in terms of you know qualifying for the games at every given opportunity to, like there was like 13 opportunities to qualify for the games in 2019 and i think you qualified through 14 of them it was like everything you could have done yeah. you did so t- is that simply like down to in terms of the live competition style now um if you say that you're not as strong as a lot of these girls, if there's maybe one event that's what we call a strength event, like maybe a one rep max or a complex, the more events there are, the better you're going to get.
0: Yeah. So like I have to be more selective kind of over what competitions that I go to. That's why Dubai is normally a good one for me because it's more game style. There's Mm -hmm. normally like what 13 there's been 15 before events so there's going to be a couple that I'm not going to do well on just because of it's either a one rep max or the weighting that we have to move is close to my to my max so it's just I'm not going to be as quick as some of the other athletes but then it gives me the opportunity that they tend to have some more endurance style events. They'll have um, some kind of like swim event and more of a, maybe a long run or um, they had the long bike ride uh, once in Dubai. So it gives me an opportunity to pick up points there um, to kind of make up for the events that I don't do well. Whereas mm-hmm. if I were to turn up to a two-day competition where there's only... Uh, five or six events if two of those events are a one rep max and then a really heavy event i've only got four opportunities that if i'm not winning those four i'm not going to be able to make up for the two two bad ones
1: yeah
2: yeah absolutely i mean that's similar to obviously it wasn't actually a lift that let you down in in um in 2014 but it's a similar sort of situation in that there was only so many opportunities to pick up points and if you have that one bad event, and it was was it one at Max Snatch as well in that same in the same region yeah, as well. I actually I?
0: did pretty well on the that was the one that I was nervous about. I like did really well on the snatch. Um and then the handstand walk. I was pleased with my handstand walk, it just didn't fare well in Europe when yeah. you had Catherine like yeah, yeah. walking the two full lengths of the like arena unbroken and yeah and the points system that they used to use in 2014 as well didn't favor me mm-hmm. so
2: in terms of mentally coming coming out from that because obviously that was the year after you won the games um and and it was just as crossfit in terms of the media side of things was really starting to generate some momentum there was you know documentary crews and and, and stuff like that following round um, and I think Lindsay Valenzuela was in the same situation as yourself as well. I think she podiumed in 2013 and, and didn't qualify in 2014. How did that, did that add fuel to the fire then to come back stronger? Was that like a, a pretty dark thing to go through or how, how did you deal with that?
0: Uh, so I try not to dwell on it. Uh, obviously, after the first day, I knew it would be pretty much impossible to qualify. Um mm. uh, but instead of being down, I like came out fighting and just tried to do as well as I could on any other event. Um, and then after after regionals, obviously not making it to the games, um, they kind of set my sights on the other big competitions that were around at the time. And that was probably my downfall is that I did too many then. And, like I said, then going into 2015, um, I was like the strongest and fittest that I'd ever been. Um, I came off the back of winning Granite Games, Waterpalooza, um, Mid American Championships, did like every competition that I went to, I was like podiuming or, or winning. And then, boom, my body had had enough. It's like, you're not gonna rest. We're gonna force you to rest. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so then that was pretty much a a, a big wake up call. But I was ma- I like managed to get everything and my training back aligned to do regionals that year, and came fourth again at the games in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that filled me with confidence for the next year, and then unfortunately my shoulder had other ideas. And then that's when I thought, well, if my back had gone, 2015, my back went, I broke my foot, 2016, my shoulder, I was like, maybe, maybe this is when I retire. Yeah. And obviously the shoulder surgery went really well and I came back, um, like I said, like I came back fit. Um, I've just never been able to get back to that kind of like strength level. Um, So, yeah.
2: Do you feel like that's, like you you touched on earlier, do you feel like that's the way the sport is going? Do you think people are generally getting stronger and stronger and stronger? Or do you feel like we're, you know, I I think back in, from my perspective, sort of 2015, 16, it started getting very heavy um, and and probably heavier and heavier. And I was kind of thinking as a lifting or heavy-based sort of athlete myself, this is sort of edging towards my favour. And I feel like now actually probably in the last three years, it's almost pushing back the other way. And it's starting to become again, more of a general fitness CrossFit endurance style um, with a little bit of lifting and just being strong enough. Like, where do you think you, you where do you see the sport going in that way?
0: Um, I think you'll always reach like um, a, a limit. Uh, and like, if you keep trying to get the events like heavier and heavier, you're just going to slow things down and things aren't going to be as exciting to watch. People are going to be resting too long before attempting lifts and stuff. And the crowd wants to see people like, going straight in for it and being like athletes going rep for rep and like the it being split seconds of people like crossing the finish line it's not mm-hmm. exciting to see somebody finish and then somebody else finishing like a minute behind or it's more exciting when you see the those races where it's like who's going to win who like you don't yeah, know okay. until they've crossed the line or until like the scores have come up at the end like with the chip timing who's actually won so there's always going to be kind of that limit. And so as athletes do get stronger, you're able to push them up, but you don't want to push them up too far. There's always going to be that maybe they've started to go too heavy. Things are slowing down a little bit too much, so we just have to pull it back a little bit. Um, so as long as the weights are still where I can, <laughs> I can still lift relatively. Um, competitively then I'll still be still be around
2: yeah the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on as well Sam before we do our little 10 in 10 quick fire round um was uh again it going back to to listening to the book and it's something that um was an underlying theme I don't think you know I don't think it was a theme of the book in terms of what might, might have been you tell me but there's an underlying theme there that um, about women being able to mix it with the guys, like women can do just just as as, as well as the guys can do, and it's like not a f- not I don't want to say feminist, but it, there's there's certainly like a strong role being a strong role model for women in in the sport. Um, and I was asked on my Instagram the other day, like, what was my favorite ever uh, CrossFit moment? And it was you overtaking Brent Fakowski in the ranch on the run when you had no reason to do it. You were like miles ahead of everybody else, but you just wanted to dust him just because you could, okay. um, like how much do you think crossfit's done and and how much do you think you've had a part to play in this for women in sport and for um you know building the the whole strong is beautiful sort of um movement in in taking away from the the the, the skinny sort of uh, approach you know
0: yeah i think like um the good thing about crossfit is it doesn't like discriminate against like the sex, like it's always been the women get paid the same amount of the men. Um, I would say that even now, because some of the women's finishes are a little bit more exciting than the men's finish. There's even more attention put on the women's side um, mm-hmm. uh, of, of the competition, which mm-hmm. is fantastic compared to most sports where women will be like the, the side event. Um, and regarding like the, the body image stuff, I think that's probably the best thing that like, comes from CrossFit, is you see people, and not even at the games level, um, you see people coming into the gym, and they're coming into the gym um, because they want to lose weight. They don't feel good in their body, and they think because of magazines that they read and stuff that they need to be skinny. And then... Once they start training in the CrossFit environment and they start like speaking to others who've been doing it for a while, or they start to watch like the games and interviews with the CrossFit athletes and stuff, you see their mindset change, and it it's all of a sudden it's not about what the scale's saying; it's about what their body can do. Yeah, yeah. They forget about like the weight and the dress sizes, and they think, right, I want to run this fast i want to do a sub five minute fran i want to back squat 100 kilos and as soon as their mind starts focusing on these their body actually starts making the changes and they start looking the way that they wanted to look originally but they mm-hmm. don't care anymore because it's about what they're doing and it's yeah. such more of a powerful message
1: yeah i totally agree with that in fact actually going along the lines of um, sort of what Mike said about you pushing the guys. Um, again, kind of one of my, my favourite moments that I kind of seen from the documentaries was um, when you pushed Rich in one <laughs> of the uh, open announcement workouts. And, yes, uh, they yeah. you. Yeah, and, they, and they interviewed you at the end and they said uh, you were pushing him and you went, yeah, well, I'll let him. Go. And um, I was just right, Mike, that's the kind of like one of my favourite moments from the documentaries where it was kind of like, yeah. See, that's
0: the reason that I overtook Brent because in that workout, um, the reason I started so hard, like anybody who's ever watched like how I work out and how I perform, I'm the person that tends to just start at a pace and carry on, and if anything, I'll give it more at the end. Yeah. I never start hot. Mm. But 2013 um, so it was 2012, I was injured and Annie won. 2013, Annie was injured and I won. So this is 2014 and it's the first time that we'd been head to head since 2011. So nobody knew kind of like where she was going to stand. And so I was like, well, I don't know like how she's going to like work right yeah, now. Yeah, you're going to
2: sit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, like.
0: I, in my mind, I was like, I want, I want to control this workout. I want to come out hot and see mm-hmm. if she kind of like uh-huh. follows me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went out hot and she wasn't responding. Um, so I, and then I was feeling good because she like, oh, yeah, I'm in front. So I, I continued this kind of like <laughs> suicide pace. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm only, I've only got the nine, six and three left and i am dying now and this is normally when i like start to pick up pace and i'm like i have nowhere to go from here and like rich is catching up to me and i'm like i don't even care right now i'm like he's not my competition and he is and so so yes when i said i let him win like i didn't fight to like beat him it wasn't quite like oh you can just go i'm just gonna chill
1: but, but you know that would have got under his skin, though. You saying that, you know that would have really got under his skin. You go "Oh yeah, let him have
0: it." But then that stays with you. You're like, "Damn it! Like, why? Why didn't I fight for it? Like, yeah. I know my direct competition wasn't him, but it's like, but then you've got in your head like, I had that opportunity. Why didn't I fight for it? So then at the ranch when we were doing the trail run, and like, I didn't know that that was for third place. Like, I just saw Brent, and I'm like. Right, okay, let's see if I can push it. There's a, there's a person to chase. It mm-hmm. didn't matter if they were like male or female. It was like, there's a person to chase. Let's see if I can push, and let's see if I can get him. And then what made it all the better was in the first interview, he said that I didn't, like... I know, he, yeah, and he got caught out, didn't he?
2: Like, you were like, yeah. As you were walking past, and you were like, oh, yeah, I did beat him. I took a look at He's like, oh, yeah, that did happen. <laughs> <laughs> But I love as well that he actually, like, they, they, it wasn't like him, he had the same thing going through his head, right? Like, obviously, he's, he feels you coming, creeping up on him, and you, sees you taking him. And he, he must have been like, oh, first of all, shit. But second, it's like, oh, it's okay, it's Sam, that's not my yeah. competition. But he yeah. still tried to kick a gear, because he yeah, was yeah. like, I'm not going to let it test me. And then about four steps later, you could just see him just going, fucked it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But then he probably has the same thing now. Like when he did the run, swim run, he's like, I'm not gonna let a girl like beat me now. And it's no, like yeah. you have that, like when I let when Rich passed me, um, like that that like stays with you. It's like, right, okay, like if you have that opportunity again, you have to like dig deeper inside yourself because like you then learn from that that mm-hmm. more. Yeah, like Absolutely. psychologically i like gave in on that workout because i was hurting and i didn't need to beat rich but had i have like dug deeper i would have probably like learned more about myself so now i don't let that opportunity like come and not try you and take it i mean i could have pushed yeah. and he still could have beat me but at least i would have known that it's like right okay that is like all i had
2: that's awesome Okay, oh, hey, sam you ready for our uh, our 10 in 10 Okay. So 10, 10 quick uh, quick fire questions. It's supposed to be 10 seconds, but some of them might take a little bit longer. Um, the first one is what is your favorite movement?
0: Uh, Probably muscle ups.
2: Yeah, ring muscle ups, right?
0: Ring or bar? Like, probably bar at the moment. I've fallen out with rings. Oh, really? There's, during quarantine time.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair. I don't, I don't hear them
0: and it's like, it's like coming coming back my shoulder was like what's going on and timing they'll they'll come back into my favorites but at the moment we're just going with bar <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay what's your
1: least favorite movement
0: uh it has to be like overhead squats just that position for me is not good
1: that's a popular one that one is for least favorite yeah, It's just it's stupid. it hurts yeah stupid movement <laughs>
2: it should should
0: just be an accessory for your snatchers and that's (laughs) it not in competition
2: (laughs) what is your go-to cheat meal
0: uh favorite pizza at the moment
2: yeah what's on your pizza
0: uh probably chicken um some veggies and i like the proper traditional like italian the uh, Neapolitan, like Think thin Crust, yeah. yeah.
2: Nice. No, no pineapple.
0: No pineapple.
2: Good. Um, what's your favourite movie?
0: Oh, uh, Dark Knight Returns is on my like head at the moment. Yeah.
2: Good. I can't uh, it was the same. Yeah, 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 love, love the Christopher Nolan uh, trilogy. Um, what's your favourite training track to listen to at the moment?
0: Oh, um, I just added a new one to my playlist. I like going phases of uh, listening to like weird types of music. Um,
2: I remember in Lanzarote, it was all like deep German trance type stuff, but when that's, was that mainly Sarah's.
0: I still, uh, I still kind of like that stuff. Um, I like something with a good, a good beat. Yeah. Try to find it. Where's it gone? Yeah. You can't beat Faithless. Like yeah. a good faithless song. I can't, school, find eh? it. I can't find the one that I've just added. Just something with a good a good beat. Um I like um all the like Citron stuff. I've gone for a little bit of um it's got like an Indian vibe with the, mm-hmm. the trance at the moment, like oh, yeah. uh, Kashmir, like the DJ and stuff. Just get a little bit of... Uh, bit of Bollywood. Yeah, mixed in with the trance. It kind of like you get like a really nice like feel and a happy, happy feel when you're training. Oh, okay.
1: oh,
2: okay. that. that's, a, that's a unique one that we've had so far. That's good, I like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's a new one. Um, what's the best book you've either read or listened to, not including your own? Endure endure
0: yeah Who, who's
2: uh, that by? i don't know that that's
0: one. the elastic limits of the mind and body or something like that okay I can't, I'm like trying to like quote it and basically it's all about um kind of endurance like what is our limits is it um psychological or is it physiological or is it like a mix of both it goes into experiments and it it's a good mix of kind of like the science with real life examples. So they'll um, tell stories of like different cyclists or marathon runners or different athletes that um, have shown these signs where they've met like a, a physical limit or a mental limit and like how they've like gone past things and stuff. So it's, a, real, cool, Put it on my list. it's a big book, but it's well worth the
2: read. Awesome. No, it sounds right up my street. I'll definitely put that, put that on the list. Okay, here's a good one. So uh, three guests, past or present, that you'd have over a dinner party.
0: I've always wanted to meet Jess Ennis. Yeah. Oh, I, okay,
2: always, yeah. Cool.
0: I always wanted to like have a day where like I had to do like some of her stuff and she had to do some CrossFit. That'd I always cool, thought yeah. that would be like, really interesting.
2: There's a film to be made there, like a documentary to be made there for sure.
1: Yeah. Somebody's got to get all of that.
0: So um, that, would, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, the Olympic Games did like some kind of um, thing on the YouTube channel where they took athletes from certain sports. They took like Lu Jun from Olympic weightlifting and made him do diving. Um, and they got someone to do diving. If you look it up on YouTube, it's, and it's really funny. It's really, really good.
2: That's awesome.
0: I'd love to like have my granddad over. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Uh, like uh, he died in 2014. So yeah. it would be cool to, instead of having him over for dinner, because he was quite sick, um, like well, obviously when I won the games and stuff, it'd be really cool that he could come and watch a competition. Oh, that'd be
2: awesome. Yeah, that's
0: we'd, cool. We'd, we'd have my granddad come and, come and watch a competition. Okay. Yeah, that'd be good. good now look. I need one more person who's going to come. Can I have a chef? Who's a good chef? Who's going to come and make me some food?
1: Gordon Ramsay. Ramsey, if you want to go yeah, British. I, I, yeah, I swears too much. shit <laughs> in the kitchen, wouldn't they?
2: Um, okay. I'm not clued up on my chefs. So I've got uh, our Gio De Campo. I like him.
0: We'll have him then. We'll have Gio. Gio can come and do the cooking.
2: Nice. Yeah. Good idea. Good to get a chef in. Okay. Number eight. Uh, one item that you take onto a desert island with you. It doesn't have to be practical. It can be a luxury.
0: Yeah, it would probably actually be rings.
2: <laughs> yeah, Brad, fall back and your ring not it?
0: Yeah, it would be like it would be something so I could still train. And like if I'm like there stuck, I have to be able to train. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just hang them over a tree or something and just
2: I think Jamie, Jamie Green said oh, Jamie Simmons I should say said uh, said a barbell as well, didn't she? Yeah, because
1: the people barbells and stuff.
2: Cool. Uh, number nine one piece of advice that you would give to yourself 10 years ago?
0: Learn the basics properly, especially like um, when I first started CrossFit, you definitely rushed through a lot of things. And I definitely had to take huge steps backwards before I then was able to come forwards again. Whereas if I had started a little bit more slowly, Mm-hmm. I might not have had as many injuries
2: <laughs> I think especially when you compete competing a lot as well because it's like you're always focusing on the next competition rather than like building yeah. <laughs> like panic training for the next one straight away and like rather than trying to get good at something rather than actually fixing it from the, from the yeah. root step yeah cool the last one is always a would you rather question um, and we'll ask you to come up with a would you rather when you can text to me uh, or, or if, if you know one Uh, for our next guest um who is Steve Fawcett um so would you rather say the first thing that comes to your mind without any filter every time you talk
0: no whatever the other thing is
2: I'm already (laughs) (laughs) my
0: mind my mind races off quite bad sometimes
2: (laughs) (laughs) or you're allowed to think about what you say but you have to sing it every time so you you can only speak in song for the rest of your life
0: i'm fine i'm fine with that
2: (laughs) so you'll be walking around like a musical for your whole life like an opera (laughs) yeah that's cool um now that's been awesome Sam. so i think the last thing is before we uh we say thank you and goodbye is to talk about the uh the ebook the cardio club stuff yeah how's all that going uh really good um it was something that
0: Nicole told me to do, uh, kind of had cardio club at train, um, probably since I went back to the UK in 2015, uh, started off small and then we just got like a few more people joining in. And then like, obviously when Emma and people had come over and train with me, they would like join in and it came quite a, quite a big session on a, on a Sunday, We'd, uh, we'd go into the gym, have a, have a big cardio session, and then we'd all uh, go into town and have brunch. So it was like the harder we can work, the more we can eat for brunch. And um, obviously when I came over here and I wasn't in the UK, she's like, well, why don't you like, jot your workouts down and then other people, no matter where they are, can join in? And I was like, "No deal, want it? No deal, do it." And I've been really surprised by like how many people and the positive response that I had had back from it. So, um, volume one. uh, So the it's on my Instagram. Link in my bio, Mm -hmm. and it's there's thirty workouts, and they have uh, they've either been written by me or they have some like meaning to me. Yeah. Um, and I've written a description along with like pacing strategies, how I attacked it um, and then scaling options and stuff for it. Um, and I'm already in the process, but it'll take a long time. I've only got four of the next 30, <laughs> but there will, be, there will be a volume, a volume two. But yeah, there's 30 workouts in volume one. Um, so you've got a good few, few months of workouts to, to stick to.
2: That's awesome. I'll, uh, I'll definitely give that a look. And uh, my advice is not to attack it the same way that Sam did because you'll probably die.
0: There's good scaling options and there's like what the workout should feel like to you to get that response.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Sam, thanks so much for coming on. It's been uh, it's been great to see you. It's been a while. So hopefully, um, once all this madness is over with, we we'll get to catch up in person soon. And um, definitely. and fingers crossed, everything goes as planned. And the game gets to go ahead and we get to see you uh up on that podium again.
0: I'll be happy just to be competing. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe and maybe if I can uh win an event, like the as long as they don't do death by power snatchers, I don't think my back could take that again.
2: <laughs> You're still going from the Rogan take and then you have you finished yet?
0: Oh, if only I'd have known that I could have like stopped, like <laughs> around the head.
2: <laughs> uh, Sam, thanks so much. It's been uh it's been great.
0: No, thank you for having me.